0: Uh, December 9th 2015 608 in the morning just a quick update about the children last night I was I've been praying and feeling reluctance about sending the books to the kids for fear that all of this work and all this money will be spent and they're not going to get it because still being so antagonistic towards me she would want to possibly withhold the books from the kids so I've been wondering if it's wiser to hold off then I began to think about what if I reached out to and ...asked her if we can have the kids. I mean, obviously she knows, and she probably would report to the children that I haven't sent her any emails, I don't call, I don't write, I don't do anything. She knows that's all not true, that I finally just decided, okay, she's not going to let me have any contact with the children, she's going to ignore my phone calls, she's going to refuse to answer my texts, she's not going to reply to emails... She's going to withhold letters that I send to the kids sometimes or or keep things from her. So, okay, then I'll just trust the Lord. Well, I've had a desire to want to ask her, you know, can we have the children for Christmas? And I've been praying about it and praying about it knowing that the the principle God has been teaching me for a long time is to wait for Him to act on my behalf. So... I have just stayed put. I haven't been pursuing Carrie and sending her emails and all that. She knows in her heart that I want to see the children. She knows that I very much miss them. She knows all that. So it's not like I have to keep selling her or convince her or to even prove that I want to see my kids. It's obvious to her. It's obvious to my kids' hearts for sure. Although they've probably been talked to so much by now. Perhaps they've been convinced. I don't know. Nevertheless, I trust in the Lord. Um, so I was sitting there working on some uh, recordings yesterday and I had been thinking about should I contact her, should I contact her and about 30 or 40 minutes went by and finally I was prompted to look at the clock to see what time it was having just thought, you know, should I send it to her 5.25 no sooner than I looked back to my computer and back to the clock did it change God got me to look at there right at the right second the next time I would look, it would be 30 minutes later. I wouldn't look at that clock. 30 minutes to the second later, I look back, and there it is, 555. So there was the message after I had just told my mom, Well, I'm gonna pray and wait upon the Lord. My mom was all excited when I told her, and my mom said, Oh, I'm excited about that idea. And I had replied to her, Well, I'm waiting on God for an answer. So I looked over, see the 525. Go back to work, look back over 555. That's keep in step with the Spirit, I will deliver you. Then last night I go to bed, so immediately I know, okay, the Lord's telling me, stay put. Just like always, stay put. Now, if I rewind the clock, somebody might say with their human reasoning, somebody might say, Well, rewind the clock a year ago, Michael, two years ago, the message has been the same. Stay put. Are you sure you're hearing from God correctly? Is it possible that you are supposed to go after? You are supposed to, you know, make this happen and, and ask and move forward and take matters into your own hands. Even myself have asked that question from human reasoning. And so all you have to do is rewind the clock for the last basically three years that this has been going on. Two years since I've, over two years since I've even seen the children. But there's been the, the alienation and the attempts to separate for, for several years now. And each time, when it it relates to the Christmas or the summer break or what have you, there's been times when God would say, no, stay put, trust me. And if I look now, what have been their spiritual results? Praise God. Praise God. Oh. You shall know a tree by its fruit. Human understanding and human reasoning looks just as they do in Isaiah 53 upon Jesus and say he has been forsaken by God, he has been smitten by God, he has been rejected by God when we know it was only a season. There would be a resurrection on the other side of that death and God allowed it to look as if he had smitten Jesus for a reason. God was pleased, the Bible says, to crush him. And out of him being crushed, how many people might have been surrounding him saying, you need to save yourself. I mean, Peter himself. Lord, get away. let No way. This will never happen to you. Save yourself. What would have happened at any point in time if human understanding had infiltrated the heart of Christ <clears throat> and taken over and he would have been tempted to deliver himself? What would have happened to all of human history? The greatest event in human history would have not happened. The greatest salvation known to man would not be available. Now, I by no means can even have a a a, a millionth of an impact, albeit as soon as i say this the spirit reminds me i tell you the truth whoever has faith in me will do what i have been doing he will do even greater things than these hallelujah because i am going to the father and i will do whatever you ask in my name that the son may bring glory to the father so there again the holy spirit even now as i speak reminds me michael your work is not any less important than what the work of the Lord Jesus Christ has done because he himself says men will follow him and do even greater works than these. He was the first of many sons and even as Zach Poonin says, he realizes that God loves his disciples just as much as he does Jesus. It's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to get our brain wrapped around and certainly, Jesus is exalted above all. He gave his life. He stooped down from glory and became nothing. He allowed himself to be crushed. And he took on the punishment and the weight of the sins of the world upon himself so that we didn't have to. So, so no human being, no follower of disciple could ever even remotely be in the same category. But yet, we are in the very same moment, ironically. Why? Because we are filled with the Spirit of the Almighty jesus christ who can get their head around this nobody it's it's unbelievable on one hand you are absolutely nothing you're meaningless you're you 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 are a clay jar a broken vessel upon the earth and on the same time you are filled with the great i am the alpha and the omega the prince of peace the mighty god he's inside of you doing his work i'm getting off track by the spirit but, human reasoning would have said, Jesus, you've got to save yourself, and look what would have happened. And I now say to myself, you shall know a tree by its fruit. If I look at the fruit in my life, in my heart, if I were to take away everything that God has been doing, even yesterday, another email from India, suicide prevented. Suicide prevented through my little story. And... I think to myself, if all the evidence I had was that which burns in my heart now on a daily basis for my father, that's the greatest evidence that I have been right to ignore human reasoning, to not take matters into my own hands and to be willing to suffer myself and my children this season of separation and obedience to the Lord. Look at what the Lord is doing in response to my obedience. Did he not say to me through an angel in 2001, the Lord will be magnified and glorified through your obedience? Is it not true that this is now happening? On on an albeit very small scale, it is happening. And I say, is two or three or five or 10 or 20 small people, however number it is, are those any, are those not... uh, Eternally significant? Is it possible to belittle the value of one life in all of eternity? Is there anything on this earth alive that has the weight and value of one soul for all of eternity? I think the answer is not. And so, there again, as much as the human part of me would love to send an email in past. I would have had a greater temptation than even now, but I, in spite of the fact that I have that place in me that still wants so bad to see my children and wants so bad, I have that greater measure of the spirit, which brings peace and joy and says, it's okay. It's okay. And how do I know? How could I ever sell somebody on the idea? Not that I need to because this is my walk, not somebody else's. I share this only for the benefit of others and particularly my own children who will learn and hear from these recordings one day. How do I know? How is it that I'm able to stand alone and make a decision that not another human being would be in agreement with? And I've been doing this now for years. How is it possible that I make a decision that everybody else says is wrong? You've misheard from God. This doesn't make any sense. I understand waiting upon God, but God gave you a brain. And God, ex- all of this human reasoning where everybody, not some people, every person. I mean, I even lost one of my best friends because him and his wife were convinced I was not hearing correctly from God. Two and a half years ago, I guess it was two years, two plus years ago. And now I look at what God is doing because I was willing to be thought a fool because I was willing to abandon human reasoning, if you will, and abandon trying to save myself. And now I see this fruit, this unbelievable fruit. If this is what comes as a result of the suffering that results from obedience, I say, bring it on. Come get more of it. Do whatever you got to do to obey because this What, when God does open the door to my children, what will be the benefit in their life? What kind of shoulders will they stand on, on their father that were never available before? Then who will have the last laugh? Then who will be the fool? Oh, for God's sakes, for God's sakes. Oh, he's so faithful. And then last night I go to bed and I decide to listen to a message and I just pulled up um, God acts on our behalf by charles stanley and i i I was so tired but i listened to basically the whole message I, i couldn't go to sleep it's like i stayed asleep i stayed awake listening to this message and the whole message was about isaiah 64 4 that god acts in behalf of the one who waits that we don't have to act we don't have to move forward we can wait and trust god to act in our behalf and so I will rest in that. And when God acts in my behalf for my children, for my Laura, for my ministry, for whatever he wants to do in my life, then everybody will know this is a God we can trust in. This is a God who we can walk away from human understanding. This is a God who, you, no matter what, you will never be put to shame when you wait in hope upon the Lord. Praise God Almighty. How appropriate. It is December 11th, 2015. It is 11.22. Mark 11.22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. And I'm out in the woods. It's an overcast day. It's about 68 degrees. It's a wonderful time on the trail. I have the whole place to myself. I love that. And I have just been praising God. Praising God. This morning I finished... Um, the children's books. And I find in my soul this balance between the joy of all that we've had and shared and how much love I have for these children and, and prayerfully how much love I still believe they have for me. And my mom has doubts that, you know, that they're still remembering us and thinking about us and all of that and, and that my mom seems to think that, that when I see them it's going to be different than what it was before. And and I still believe That they're not going to miss a beat. That those children are still remembering me. Exactly the way they remember me. In spite of all the things. That I'm sure their um, mom and grandparents have tried to talk to them about me. And so I'm believing in faith. That God is preserving their hearts. For us during this time. And I just began to praise God and give God thanks. I mean. There's a clear black and white response that we are to have to stuff like this. And in Thessalonians it says, it says, Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm giving thanks in these circumstances. And as I declare my thanksgiving to God, it comes down to this. The only way, I mean, this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful scripture for testing your faith, for, for examining yourself to see whether or not you really are in the faith. If you're not able to give God thanks in all circumstances, it's because you're not... it's because you're not trusting God. You don't trust Him. If you know two things about God, and if I can remind myself all the time, no matter what comes against me, that God is supremely in control, supremely in control, He's sovereign. And that God is loving. If I have enough evidence through the Bible... Through everything I've learned and through the testimony of my fellow brothers and sisters in life, that God is sovereign, He's in control, and that God is acting in love towards those that love Him and obey Him, then I can rest that no matter what comes my way, whether I have to go another five days or another five years without seeing my children... I know that if I'm doing my part, that if I'm loving God the way I am, that if I'm obeying God the way I am, that if I'm fearing Him the way I am and trusting Him, and that if I'm seeking His face, that if I'm keeping my heart pure and I'm not walking in any known sin, then I can trust and know without a shadow of doubt that God is working on my behalf, that He is completely in control of this situation with my children. And even now, God fills me with faith. Uh, I stepped onto this trail with a few thoughts of doubt. And I came onto this trail today, having just sat and looked at pictures, thousands and thousands of pictures for weeks, of these beautiful children of mine, And I come to the very end of of each book. It's sad. It makes me sad. With me having to write in there, please don't forget your father. And putting my cell phone number in this book because I know they don't know it and I know that they can't call me but that in hopes one day when they can call me they'll remember that number and they can call me and telling them that I'm waiting patiently for them. And for them to not let their hearts to be troubled, John 14, 1. To trust in God and trust also in Jesus. And that Isaiah 49, 23. No one who hopefully waits for him will be put to shame. And Hebrews six sixteen And after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Sharing with them to not let their hearts be discouraged. <clears throat> that God will be with them everywhere they go. Joshua 1:19. Or 1-9. And I am really just trying to share with them faith. And then I, I, I come out to the trail. And the other part of me feels that, man, do you know how long it's been since you've seen those children? Chelsea is going to be 12 years old on July 29th. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. That's unbelievable to me when I think about that the age of these children, and uh, it's 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 crazy, it's crazy. Nathan is going to be 10 years old on January 13th, 10 years ago, on July 6th. I mean, on uh, uh, 2006. I'm very tired right now, so my brain's not working. The way I would like it to. The the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. So anyhow, I come out here and I am praising God in faith, not based upon how I feel. This is so important. This is a lesson I want my children to learn that you don't feel your way into the promised land with God. You don't feel your way into life to the full. You don't feel your way into spiritual maturity. You faith your way into all of them and the feelings come. And the feeling is coming over me now as I've been praising God and thanking him. I trust. I know the devil is right near me. He's very close by, breathing down my neck, trying to discourage me and tell me, look how long you've been waiting. You're waiting for nothing. God would have come through for you by now if he was ever going to come through for you. You're wasting time. You need to take matters into your own hands and solve this. Do you have any idea how much of an idiot you look like and how much time you've wasted with your children because you didn't take matters into your own hands and save the relationship with them and you haven't gone to back to court? You have legal rights. Why are you waiting? And God, all the time, each time I pray about it, God acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. And when I look at the fruit again, no matter how much the devil tries to discourage me, no matter how much my flesh wants to run ahead of God, no matter how much my flesh or anybody else would want to try to convince me that what I'm doing is wrong, all I have to do is put my eyes on the fruit of my heart and the fruit of my life. And you will know a tree by its fruit. And when I look, again, reminding myself, even now, to encourage myself, I'm reminding myself of how much praise be to God. He has changed my heart. How much God has worked to change me. And again, realizing that when my kids' prayers are answered to be back with their dad, maybe they don't understand. Maybe their faith has been pushed to the envelope you know, God, why? How, how much longer do I have to wait? I mean, I'm a child. I have childlike faith. And I've been praying and praying. And I still haven't seen Daddy. And I can't talk to Daddy. And I can't even see Daddy. Mom won't let us. What, why? And Dad's not fighting back. Why? Why, God? And one day, oh my God, praises be to, praises be to the Father Almighty. Because one day I'm going to be able to tell them the delay was not God's denial. The delay was the preparation time needed for God to bless you beyond what you could ever think, ask or imagine and beyond what God could have given you without the suffering, without the separation, without this period of loneliness. God was taking your dad and putting in your dad the school of suffering and the school of obedience so that he could give back to you a father you could have never had. And you may say, but I missed my dad those so many years. But what you will not miss are the years of great impact that we have going forward And now where I'm able to look every one of you in the eyes with such great confidence about our Father and who He is and what He will do for you and how He operates and how He uses suffering and how you need to be patient and wait upon Him and how you can trust Him no matter what and how in trusting Him in spite of what human understanding and circumstances say, you can never be put to shame trusting God. You can never lose obeying God. Temporarily you will. Temporarily you're going to suffer. You'll be made fun of. You'll doubt. You'll have dark nights. But in the end, if you persevere, you can never lose. God is teaching me perseverance. It's amazing. Today, even today, Andy Small sent me an email and he said, I admit your talent and your perseverance. And what he was saying is, is that this guy's been watching me for years start and stop, start and stop, and yet always coming back. He's been watching God take me off of the bench and prune me and then come back with with an even greater product, if you will, a greater ministry, greater impact. And he sees that it's been a struggle, that there's not been these huge numbers, that nobody's ever widely accepted Michael Criswell, that there hasn't been this big outpouring of success, and yet he sees the authenticity of the faith, and he sees my dedication to my God, and he sees my perseverance in Christ to never quit. And this is what my children are going to benefit from. When I have prayed all these years for my father to use them, to bless them, to build something strong and mighty in their life, he will use everything he's been teaching me to send them much farther than they could have gotten without it. Supposing I had just remained this lukewarm Christian dad who who chased money and then took my kids to church every Sunday and we lived in the big house with the big pool forever and my kids always enjoyed the movie theater and they always had dirt bikes to ride on the weekends and they were always in private school and we always took family trips and always did all these things but yet they missed out on knowing Jesus Christ they just had Christianity and they missed Christ what if they missed what if they had a comfortable life at the expense of knowing Jesus and following him into whatever mission field he may call them into What if I were able to teach them how to build a business but not build a spiritual life? What if I were able to teach them how to build a nice family but not able to teach them what it means to walk humbly, obediently, and wholeheartedly before their Lord and Maker? I wouldn't have anything to give them. I'd have to tell them to read books of other men or go to church or listen to a sermon. I wouldn't be able to look them in the eyes and say, Your dad knows God Almighty. And I can teach you how to know Him. I can teach you His ways. I can teach you how to suffer with Christ. And I can tell you that it's the greatest gift He'll ever give you. Praise God. Praise God. It doesn't make sense when you're going through it. It doesn't feel like it when you're going through it. But as the Bible says in Hebrews 12, no discipline seems good at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it God almighty has trained my heart he's trained me I, I, I would give anything if I would have had parents who could have taught me these things through authentic faith. As a child, it doesn't, it wasn't available to me. And so God has, in his mercy, has removed me from their lives for a time to train me and teach me how, first of all, to be a better son to him. Out of which overflows my being automatically a better father, a better son to my mom, and a better husband to my future wife Laura. <sighs> God has so blessed me. God has so blessed me. The pain of, of waiting so long has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Who could ever think of waiting this long in America without seeing your own children and not just one child but five children? Who could think with, within the United States there could be a man... Like me, who loves his children so much more. Many would say they haven't seen a father love their kids like me. And yet, they're taken away from me. The the thing that I felt I was designed to be a father to my children. (sighs) Who hasn't heard me say if I had 25 children, I would be blessed? The most blessed. And yet they were taken away from me. So many dads don't give a hoot about their kids and run off and leave them and abandon them and don't know God and never will know God and the kids are better off for the children not ever having known the fathers or their being in their lives. And yet, here it is me. I want to be so much in the children's life. I want to bless them. I want to teach them. I want to love them. I want to be in their lives and I can't. I think of all the the women who really want their husbands to get their lives together and get involved in the kid's life, like ex-husband situations. And and they they just can't. They can't get the husbands to be in the children's lives. And then I think about what God has done in my situation where I have an ex-wife who will not allow me under any circumstances at all to be in the kid's lives anymore, and I'm allowing it. It's not like she has a legal right or even a good reason. It's just her own hardness of heart and bitterness that has just turned in a snowball. It's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's isolated herself so much from me over the last six years. Over, well, no, 2010, five and a half years, July. She's isolated herself so much from me that she no longer even knows the truth of why she, she left me. She, she made up so many different reasons she doesn't even know. And it doesn't matter. God's allowed her heart to be hardened. But she doesn't even have a reason. If you were to ask her, why is it that you're so hell bent on not allowing your children to see your, your husband? Is he some sort of an axe murderer or a sexual molester? Or, or, or a, dr- a drug addict? Maybe he maybe he cooks up meth or something on the weekends. I, maybe he's an alcoholic and he used to abuse and beat you guys. Or maybe he cheated on you, like with 25 women, or or with one. I don't know. Just maybe he did something really horrible. No, actually, he started to take his relationship with Jesus seriously, and he decided that the lifestyle they had was just too big. And he didn't want to keep chasing money so they could live in this big fancy house with a movie theater and send the kids to private school and have all this fancy office space and all that. No, he wanted to to follow Jesus more and to take his life into account of, of what Jesus would say about it when it's over. And she hated me for that she hated me that she couldn't control me and her heart just hardened and then of course with the abortion story that's how the devil used it to blow it up but that's neither here nor there the fact of the matter is as dramatic as all that's been God is in control and I trust him and I thank him God I thank him so much for using her in my life I thank him so much And the final thing that I want to share on this recording is the fact that I know God is trying to teach me that my approval and acceptance, I'm already accepted in Christ, but my approval as a workman approved comes from what he says about my work, not what other people, not the numbers. And I know God is trying to teach me that. Because for so long I've been doing some sort of ministry like this now since January of 2013. We're coming up on three years that I've been doing ministry, and and on and on and again and off again a little bit. Sometimes that God pulled me back for a time, and yet I still have to to this day right now. I think I have about 150 subscribers, give or take, on the blog. I think I have about 100 and. Uh, 90, 185 um, subscribers on YouTube and about 180, the same number or so on Facebook. After three and a half years, it's grown so little, it's not even funny. When I was doing secular stuff, kickstart my day, I had a couple thousand before, you know, we, we said goodbye to that. And you want so bad to see more people because you're doing all this work. And the Lord has been telling me so much. He's pleased with me, that he's very pleased with the work and that he tells me that his light has come upon me, that the glory of the Lord now rises upon me. He's with me and that he's going to bless the work of my hands. And immediately we want to think, well, that means there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to watch this. And many people have said, oh, we got to get this out to more people. I don't want to say many, several people have said that. And I realize God is teaching me that is not his approval. To use that as a measuring stick, we would have to say that Joel Osteen is one of the most approved men of God on the planet. Or that Dr. Cho, who's now in jail, he had the biggest church in the world. And John Bevere quotes in his book, when, when Dr. Cho got in the car, he felt like God had just gotten in the car. And Dr. Cho said, I know. And that man is in jail for stealing For three years, money laundering, stealing money from the church. So clearly, God does not bless by the numbers. If Jesus Christ came back today and taught the same exact things that he taught when he was here, how many people followed him then? How much less now? Large crowds were following Jesus and turning to him. He said, I tell you the truth, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his brother and sister, his wife and children, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple Luke 14, 25-27. That's not a message that people want to hear. That's not a message that big crowds flock to. And God has helped me to see, Michael, your approval, in my eyes, doesn't come from the numbers. I mean, Jesus poured himself out for 12 people. Sometimes God does big numbers with people. Sometimes there are revivals... And God does big numbers. But I know for a fact that God wants me to be completely satisfied that if it's three people or a thousand people, neither one of that determines whether or not it's approved of God. God, if He says He approves, He approves. The results do not add or subtract anything to that the fruit of my heart, the fruit the results do, but not the amount of the results. So I know that's something God wants me to keep trusting in Him for too. I'm feeling very tired and I'm starting to feel a little bit hypoglycemic. I haven't eaten enough food today and I've been working so hard for several weeks on the kids' albums, been staying up late at night and pushing myself. I think I need to take the whole day off just to rest and right now I'm going to finish resting in the Lord it's 7.51pm on December 11th 2015 and this is a, a new number that God showed me this morning very timely and it's never ceases to amaze me how God does this but I was, dr- I was going through McDonald's drive through this morning to get a coffee and an oatmeal. <clears throat> and I was listening to Haley's last recording that she had sent to me. And while I'm in there, in the drive-thru, a car pulls up. They have a double drive-thru, and the car just happens to get in front of me. It has 988 on its license plate. And I looked at it, and I just noticed it. I noticed it. I was like, okay, Lord, is that a number? Possibly a number? I looked down at my odometer, and... My odometer was 987.8 or something like that. I've got the, I took a picture of it. In other words, in two-tenths of a mile. So basically by the time I would pull out of the McDonald's parking lot and make the first major turn to head back to my house, my odometer was going to be on 988, just as this car is sitting in front. So I took my picture phone out and said okay this is clearly a number. God's trying to show me pay attention to this. So I got home sat down ate my breakfast and then realized ah it's probably I went to Psalm 98.8. It wasn't that I said I bet it's page 988 in my Bible. So I go to page 988 in my Bible and I had verse 14 underlined of chapter 3 and I thought well that doesn't really seem to apply so much but no, okay I'll just wait and I thought well maybe it's something else on the page so I started reading and I look here at chapter 3 as a time for everything. And it's where there's a season for this and a season for that and a season for this. A time to tear down, a time to build, a time to scatter, a time to gather, a time to embrace, a time to refrain, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, so forth and so on. So I read that and I thought, well, it doesn't really fit anything, you know, but all right, Lord, I'll trust that you'll show me what this, you know, what you're trying to show me. And i I literally walked away from it going, hmm. Well, I'm sure the Lord will make it clear to me. I finished the recording listening to it this evening. And I hung up with the phone from her and I felt some distance in my not phone with her. What am I thinking? I I hung up the recording, basically listening to the recording, in my phone. And I felt resistance. I felt I've been feeling it for weeks. Some some sort of a, a disconnect in my relationship with her and I've been being very careful about not getting ahead of God and not responding in my flesh but really careful to listen to God on this and I sent her i said i even prayed I said Lord why am i feeling this disconnect and almost like a frustration towards her something's not right and i'm not there's it seems like something's over in the relationship like she's very needy and i've i have found her just she's so a precious sister i found her just adorable and i wanted to help her and wanted to scoop her up into my arms and 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 love all the woundings and the rejection out of her and and i i tried i gave a lot of my time to this young lady and she on one hand she has more potential than most people i meet spiritually but on the other hand she has more potential for disaster because of the unbelievable insecurities that she's faced in the rejection in her life and so I've tried to love out of her the rejection and to help her find as much as Christ she can. And this recording I heard, I felt a sense, literally I felt peace in my heart. God has got her. She's good. That she doesn't need the training wheels anymore. God knows how to speak to her. She knows how to hear from Him. And she can. she's in that wrestling stage where sometimes she knows it's Him and sometimes she doesn't. And... She's gaining ground, but she's overall, she's making progress in the Christian faith, and she doesn't need me to be her mentor anymore. It's like I explained to her tonight, if Christianity were a job, would you get fired? How long will you remain a trainee? At some point, the manager needs to go do what they do and not train you anymore. You have to be able to stand on your own two feet for the most part. So she sent me a reply back. I sent her a really nice text and said, you know, it sounds like you're really coming along and you're standing on your own two feet and you don't need a manager looking over your shoulder anymore and your training wheels are off this is blessing how great and how wonderful as I would say to any Christian she immediately responded back with I'm having a hard time not hearing that as you're abandoning me you've told me that you are a man of God and that you know I could trust you and 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 if I can't trust you I can't trust anybody same repeating pattern She's been rejected so much, and I think I felt for the longest time that I could love that out of her, and what God has helped me to see is, no, Michael, you can't. Only I can take that out. And I realize that a person can get in the way of God finishing the process. So I've, gathered, I've, I've strengthened her in some ways and helped her with some understanding in some key areas, but God now uh, is bringing this relationship to an end. And I need to get out of his way so he can finish having his way with her. And I told her she'll never be able to get rid of this rejection thing by finding it in another human being. It won't happen. And, and if it did, it would be cursed. Jeremiah seventeen five through 8 If you're able to find strength from another human being uh, like that, and you're trusting and putting your confidence in another person, then you have a relationship with God that's doomed to be frail at best and cursed at the worst which is what it says in the passage so i explained this to her and as i was explaining all this to her in the recording i realized 988 there's a season for everything and i even read it to her and i realized in that moment ah, oh, this is what god was trying to show me this morning as i'm listening to her recording I'm hearing, I see the 988, clear as day. God's showed me this. I mean, my car and the license plate for me. At the same time, I'm going, okay, well, all right, now I get it. God was telling me this season has come to an end. And I explained to her that it's because of God's love for her. It's not that God is shaming her, despising her, rejecting her. No, it's actually God saying, okay, Elijah, get out of the way. I need to take it, my, I need to take it from here with my Elisha. And I told her, I really believe That God is doing this in love and I feel peace in my heart about it. I mean, I have so much peace in my heart and I I believe and know that God is going to do wonderful things with her. And that one day she's going to contact me and say, thank you, Michael, for rejecting me that night. Thank you for saying no to the relationship and for getting out of the way. You were right. I was clinging too much to you. I didn't even realize it. I wasn't conscious of it, but I was. I learned to depend upon you, and I needed you. And I now see that this was a corruption in God's eyes. So wonderful, neat little story there, and uh, God again confirming for me using a word nine eighty eight, pointing me to chapter three of Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything, and God has given me much peace. Praise be to God. I was just getting ready to go for a walk. I'm listening to You Revive Me, one of my favorite songs by Christy Knuckles. It's December twelfth, two 2015, and I had to check the weather to see what the temperature is for my walk. As I did, I saw it was 733, and that comes from page 733 in my Bible. I looked up the scripture, and it's this passage, I believe, in Job 8, 5 through 7 which I've been seeing 733 a lot, it says, But if you will look to God and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now, he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your rightful place. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. Under the new covenant, I believe God is primarily speaking of the prosperity in my soul, And I'm receiving this, and I've said as I read this, I say, Lord, may it be done to me as you say. It's amazing. If you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you. The song I'm listening to is, you revive me. You breathe on me. You revive me, O God. And I think about how many times God showed me James 5.11. James 5.11. We consider blessed those who have persevered. For you have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. Or heard what the Lord finally brought about. For the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I think about perhaps God is telling me with this verse of scripture that my time has come to be restored. Spiritual prosperity. And I think of my children. I think of my Laura. Perhaps God is pleased. And I've also been seeing John seven seventeen quite a bit. God asks me to continue to store up the commands and um, I'm going to do so. I'm going to go for my walk and memorize. But I think perhaps God is getting ready to restore me in the name of Jesus Christ. May it be to me as he has said. Two minutes and 12 seconds. It is 10.03. I just left my parents' house. As I'm pulling out, I look to the right. Their neighbor, two doors down. License plate on the truck, 455. Yeah, And that's the scripture that says, Is not my house right with God? Has he not made a covenant with me, secured in every part? Will he not bring about my salvation and the fruition of my every desire? And then, um, just now, driving down the road, first of all, I got in the car, it was 10.01, and that's the day that I received my crown, the day my heart rejoices with Laura being my wife. And then, I'm just now driving down the road, and a car passes me in the left-hand lane slowly, and then gets right... In my vision and slows down, license plate 733 after I just made this message this morning. Praise God. Even now, He will rouse Himself on my behalf to restore me. So prosperous will my future be. My My beginnings will seem humble. God, let it be in the name of Jesus Christ. This is only 30 seconds later. They've got the road one lane knocked off. I went around. Uh, When the lane finally opened, I pulled into it, first car, to pull into that lane, I looked over on the right, license plate, 422. That's the scripture telling me I'm about to enter the promised land. Let it be in Jesus' name, amen. It's 819 on December 12th, 2015, and I'm on my back kind of lonely street up to Stone Mark area and having a wonderful time of just praising God and meditating on scriptures. Today, day 12 um, of the spiritual maturity category is resting in God's sovereignty. And I literally find so much rest. (laughs) Literally, when I, I think on these words that declare, you know, Psalm 135, 6, that the Lord does whatever pleases Him in the heavens and on earth and in the seas and all their depths. Or when I think about Proverbs 19.21, Many are the plans of man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Or Ephesians 1.11, or actually Proverbs 16.4 also, The Lord works out everything according to His own means, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. And then I think about Ephesians 1.11, you are also chosen in Him, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in accordance with the purpose of His will. These amazing passages of Scripture that declare God is in control, or Romans eight twenty eight, that God works all things together for the good to those that love Him, to those that are called according to his purpose. And as I was thinking about this, I began to pray over the children. And I had this interesting revelation it's it's popped up in my heart a few times. But I had this interesting insight occur when I began to think about what my children's life might be like. For example, you know, what will their road look like to spiritual maturity? Will it be plagued with pain and suffering and bad decision making and calamity and betrayal like mine has? Or is it possible that my having gone through that, a wise person being someone who learns from the mistakes of others, will my children be able to learn from my mistakes? And I was thinking about the book Deeper Experiences of Famous Christians and So many of them had to suffer miserably. So many of them started out with terrible childhoods of of rebelling against God and living wildly and wickedly in sin. And then you come to D.L. Moody, who is unquestionably probably the greatest evangelist that ever lived. For certain, up until his time, and how God used him so mightily, and yet, he literally started out strong as a young man and never really had that, you know, prodigal son experience. He, he pretty much started walking the straight and narrow from an early age. And I, I was thinking about how I pray that's the case for my children. And I take great encouragement in knowing that not everyone has to go through this road of affliction to get to the Mount of Glory. I mean, sure, there's suffering. I mean, no doubt about it that he suffered a great deal in his life. I mean, watching all of the work of his whole life burn in the Chicago fires. I mean, that must have been an unthinkable, you know, tragedy to go through. But he didn't have to make a bunch of terrible decisions and rebel against God and live in the world and then finally come and find peace and rest in Christ. God blessed him with the grace to come early. And I was then thinking about my children and I was thinking about how much I desire for them. Here's the main point I wanna make is, how much I desire for them to be able to know God in this powerful way that they, they, they live every day depending upon him. Knowing Him, resting in Him, trusting Him, obeying Him, having a strong faith in Him. And I thought about what it's taken to get me to this place. And then I thought immediately, oh my God, would I not want anybody to have to, you know, pay, would I, would, would I not desire for many people to pay this price to get what I have received? Would, would somebody feel sorry for me, what I have today? Would somebody look upon my story and say, Oh, you poor child. Or would they not look on you and say, My goodness gracious, it's all I can do to, 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 to not desire to go through the same furnace of affliction you have that I might have the experience, the mountaintop, the fullness of joy, the life to the full that you do. And when I think about how hard it is to get somebody to love God like this, to trust God... To obey God. To have faith in God. To purify their heart before God. When I think about how hard it is. That Jesus says strive to enter the narrow gate. And Peter says how difficult it is. Even for the righteous to enter. And and, and Jesus said twice to the disciples. Only a few find life. And. And. This was in direct response to their question, Lord, are only a few going to make it? And so then I think about, what if somebody were discipling me? I'm discipling quite a few people and helping them and encouraging them and teaching them. And I think to myself, what if somebody were trying to disciple me and trying to get me to take God more seriously? Trying to get me to set aside the world. Trying to get me to have more discipline to practice my spiritual disciplines and to seek God with all of my heart to trust Him to take and put action behind my faith when God calls me to love Him with all of my heart mind, soul, and strength I think about how hard it might be and what it might feel like for somebody and then I think about how pleased they would be to know that God is using suffering in my life To do something that they could never do. And that even I could never do. Emptying me of me that I might be found in fullness in Him. And it makes me rejoice in suffering. When I think of how hard it is for people and how much people hate and despise suffering. I look at myself and that's why I don't pray that God removes suffering from people's lives. How could I pray for somebody to, to have removed from their life the greatest tool God's ever used to get me to the mountaintop.